Volume One, Chapters Five and Six of the Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five, A Visit from the Heiress. Miss Agnes Willoughby is sent to school. In about a month after this visit, and less than a week before the day fixed upon for the happiness of Mister Barnaby, Miss Betsy Compton very unexpectedly made a visit to her brother she found him a good deal altered but she found him also with his toddy and pipe both objects of such hatred and disgust to her anchoritish spirit that all the kind feelings which might have been awakened by his failing health were chased by looking upon what caused it to see her feeble-minded brother was not however the only or the principal object of her visit to silverton and she permitted not many minutes to be wasted in mutual questionings that meant very little before she let him understand what was i am come to speak to you brother she said about little agnes i should like to know in what manner you intend to educate her mrs compton manages all that sister betsy replied the invalid and at any rate i am sure i have no money to teach her anything but it is a sin brother to let the child run wild about the garden as you would a magpie do you know that she can't read no sister betsy i know nothing at all about it i tell you how can i help it am i in a condition to teach anybody to read there are others more to blame than you are brother no doubt but let it be whose fault it will it must not go on i suppose you will make no objection to my sending her to school oh dear no not i but you had better ask mrs compton about it very well but i have your consent have i not dear me yes sister betsy why do you tease me so making me take the pipe out of my mouth every minute miss betsy left the little smoke-dried back parlour appropriated to the master of the house and made her way to the front room upstairs called the drawing-room which had been reserved since time out of mind for the use of the ladies of the family and their visitors there she found as she expected mrs compton and her daughter amidst a notion of needlework all having reference more or less to the ceremony which was to be performed on the following thursday so mrs compton was her salutation to the old lady and a nod of the head to the young one i have been speaking to my brother continued miss betsy concerning the education of little agnes and he has given his consent to my putting her to school his consent exclaimed mrs compton and pray is she not my grandchild too i think i have as good a right to take care of the child as he has she has a right replied the spinster to expect from both of you a great deal more care than she has found and were i you mrs compton i would take some trouble to conceal from all my friends and acquaintance the fact that at eleven years of age my grandchild was unable to read and that's a fact that i can have no need to hide miss betsy for it's no fact at all i've seen martha teaching her scores of times then have her in mrs compton and let us make the trial if i have said what is not true i will beg your pardon lor mamma said miss martha colouring a little what good is there in contradicting aunt betsy if she wants to send agnes to school i am sure it is the best thing that can be done for her now i am going to be married and mr barnaby asked me the other day if you did not mean to send her to school i don't want to keep her from school god knows poor little thing or from anything else that could do her good only miss betsy speaks so sharp but i can assure you sister we should have put her to the best of schools long and long ago only that heaven knows we had not the means to do it 
and thankful shall i be if you are come at last to think that there may be as much charity in helping your own blood relations as in giving away your substance to strangers and beggars you are right mrs compton as far as relates to sending agnes to school that will certainly be a charity when can the child be got ready as soon as ever you shall be pleased to give us the means sister betsy do you mean mrs compton that she has not got clothes to go in i do indeed sister betsy let me see what she has got and then i shall know what she wants that is easily told aunt without your troubling yourself to look over a few ragged frocks and the like she wants just everything aunt betsy said the bride expectant brave in anticipated independence and rather inclined to plague the old lady by drawing as largely as might be on her reluctant funds now they were opened even though the profit would not be her own if she really does want everything martha compton while you are dressed as you now are very cruel injustice has been done replied the aunt your sister had no portion given her either of the patrimony of her father or the thousand pounds brought by her mother and as her marriage with a man who had not a sixpence was permitted this child of hers had an equal right with yourself to share in the property of your parents the property of their parents why bless me betsy compton how you do talk as if you did not know that all the property they ever had is as good as gone has not farmer wright got the estate and has not the butcher and the baker and the shoemaker and all the rest of them got what it sold for as well as my thousand pounds among them long ago then you are now on the very verge of ruin mrs compton said the spinster gravely yes sister betsy we are replied the matron reproachfully and i can't but say she continued that a lone woman like you without any expenses whatever but your own meat and drink which everybody says is next to nothing i can't but say that you might have helped us a little before now and no harm done that is your opinion of the case mrs compton mine is wholly different i think harm is done whenever power of any kind is exerted in vain i have no power to help you were all i have poured out upon you while i lodged myself in the parish workhouse my conviction is that i should only be enabling you to commit more follies and in my judgment more sins well well miss betsy it is of no use talking to you i know that of old and to tell you the truth when i do come to beggary i had rather beg of anybody else than of you i hear far and near of your charity to others but i can't say that i ever saw any great symptom of it myself let me see what clothes little agnes has got mrs compton if you please our time will be more profitably employed in seeing what i may be able to do for her than in discoursing of what i am not able to do for you miss martha then i suppose may be able to bring her things in why as far as the quantity goes they won't be very difficult to carry but i don't see much use in overhauling all the poor child's trumpery unless it is just to make you laugh at our poverty ma'am the spinster answered this with a look which showed plainly enough that however little beauty her pale face could boast it was by no means deficient in expression miss martha hastened out of the room to do her errand without saying another word i will not give the catalogue of poor agnes's wardrobe but only observe that it was considerably worse than miss betsy expected she made however no observation upon it but having examined it apparently with very little attention she took leave of the mother and daughter saying she would call again in a day or two and took with her no permission asked 
a greatly faded but recently fitted frock which abduction mother and daughter remonstrated against loudly declaring it was her best dress except the old white muslin worked with coloured worsteds and that she would have nothing upon earth to wear it shall not be kept long was the reply and the little lady departed enduring for a moment the atmosphere of her brother's parlour as she passed in order to tell him as she thought herself in duty bound to do that she should get some decent clothes made for the child and call again as soon as they were ready to take her to school the poor gentleman seemed greatly pleased at this and said thank you betsy with more animation than he had been heard to impart to any words for many years it was just three days after miss martha compton had become mrs barnaby that the same post-chaise drove up to the door that had carried her away from it on an excursion of eight-and-forty hours to exeter which the gallant bridegroom had stolen a holiday to give her but on this occasion it was hired neither by bride nor bridegroom but by the little crooked spinster who was come according to her promise to take agnes to school mrs compton was just setting out to pay her first morning visit to the bride and therefore submitted to the hasty departure of the little girl with less grumbling than she might have done if less agreeably engaged you must bid your grandpapa good-bye agnes said miss betsy as they passed the door of his parlour and accordingly they all entered together god bless you my poor little girl said the old man after kissing her forehead and keep your aunt betsy's favour if you can for i don't think i can do much more to help anybody god bless you agnes dear me mr compton you need not bring tears in the child's eyes by speaking that way i am sure she has never wanted friends since her poor dear mother died and there's no like she should either with such an aunt as martha married to such a man as mr barnaby i suppose she is not to be kept from her family sister betsy but that we shall see her in the holidays i am sure i don't know where she is likely to see things so elegant as at her aunt barnaby's such a drawing-room and a man in livery at least a boy and everything else comfortable i suppose this is to be her home miss betsy still i am glad you have mentioned this mrs compton replied her sister-in-law because now in the presence of my brother i may explain my intentions at once whatever you may think of my little means either you or your wife or your daughter brother josiah i am not rich enough in my own opinion to make it prudent for me to saddle myself with the permanent charge of this poor child moreover to do so i must altogether change the quiet manner of life that i have so long enjoyed and i am not conscious of being bound by any tie sufficiently strong to make this painful sacrifice a duty something i think i ought to do for this child and i am willing to do it i conceive that it will be more easily in my power to spare something from my little property to obtain a respectable education for her than either in yours brother or even in that of her newly married aunt barnaby for doubtless it would not be agreeable for her to begin her wedded life by throwing a burden upon her husband but on the other hand it will certainly be much more within the power of her aunt barnaby to give her a comfortable and advantageous home afterwards than in mine i will therefore now take charge of her for five years during which time she shall be supplied with board lodging clothes and instruction at my expense or in case i should die at that of my executors after this period i shall restore her to you brother or to her grandmother if both or either of you shall be alive or if not to her aunt barnaby and when i die she shall have a share with such others as i may think have a claim upon me of the small matter i may leave behind 
but this of course must be lessened by the expenses i am now contracting for her and are we never to see her for five years sister betsy said mrs compton very dolorously to tell you the truth mrs compton i think the coming home to you twice a year for the holidays could be no advantage to her education and the expense of such repeated journeyings would be very inconvenient to me i have therefore arranged with the persons who are to take charge of her that she is to pass the vacations with them i shall however make a point of seeing her myself more than once in the course of the time and will undertake that she shall come to silverton twice during these five years for a few days each time and now i think there is no more to say so come my little girl for it is not right to keep the driver and the horses any longer waiting the adieus between the parties were now hastily exchanged little agnes mounted the post-chaise aunt betsy followed and they drove off though in what direction they were to go after leaving the silverton turnpike no one had ever thought of inquiring poor mrs compton stood for some moments silently gazing after the post-chaise and on re-entering her drawing-room felt a sensation that greatly resembled desolation from the unwonted stillness that reigned there she was instantly cheered however by recollecting the very agreeable visit she was going to pay and only pausing to put on her new wedding-bonnet and shawl set off for mr barnaby's saying to the maid whom she passed as she descended i should like sally to have seen what sort of things she has got for the poor child if they was as neat and as nice as the little trunk as was strapped on in the front and that's where they was packed no doubt there wouldn't be no need to complain of them was the reply and now leaving agnes to aunt betsy and her fate i must return to the duty i have assigned myself and follow the fortunes of mrs barnaby chapter six wedded happiness death of mrs compton the ex-curate brought into a peaceful harbour he falls sick and his sister and grandchild are summoned the first five or six months of mrs barnaby's married life were so happy as not only to make her forget all her former disappointments but almost to persuade her that it was very nearly as good a thing to marry a middle-aged country apothecary with a good house and a good income as a beautiful young officer with neither since her adventure with mr smith the draper milliner mercer and haberdasher of silverton par excellence mrs barnaby's genius for making bargains had been sadly damped not but that she had in some degree saved her credit with that important and much-provoked personage by condescending to wear the willow before his eyes she even went so far as to say to him with a twinkling of lids that passed for having tears in her own no young lady was ever so used before i believe i am sure mr smith you saw enough yourself to be certain that i was engaged to captain tate yet the moment he found a girl with a little money he sent back all my letters perhaps mr smith believed the lady perhaps he did not but at any rate he gave her no encouragement to recommence operations upon his confiding nature on the contrary he ceased not to send in his little account very constantly once every three months steadfastly refusing to give credit for any articles however needful after the sale of the compton bassett property the bill was paid but no farther accommodation in that quarter ever obtained indeed the facility of selling out of the funds a hundred pounds a time as it was wanted superseded the necessity of pressing for it and in a little way miss martha and mr smith had continued to deal most amicably but always with a certain degree of mutual shyness how delightfully different was the case now mrs barnaby had only to send her maid or her man boy to the redundant storehouse of mr smith and all that her heart best loved was sent for her inspection and choice without the slightest doubt or scruple mr barnaby was proud of his wife 
for if not quite as slender and delicate she really looked very nearly as handsome as ever a slight soupçon of rouge refreshing the brilliancy of her eyes and concealing the incipient fading of her cheeks while the total absence of mauvaise honte an advantage which may be considered as the natural consequence of a twelve years reign as the belle of a well-officered county town enabled her to preside at his own supper-parties and fill the place of honour as bride at those of his neighbours with an easy sprightliness of manner that he felt to be truly fascinating in short mr barnaby was excessively fond of his lady and as he was known to have made much more money than he had spent as no bill had ever been sent to him without immediate payment following and as mrs barnaby's nature expanded itself in this enlarged sphere of action and led her to disburse five times as much as mr barnaby had ever expended without her all the tradesmen in the town were excessively fond of her too wherever she went she was greeted with a smile and instead of being obliged to stand in every shop waiting till some one happened to be at leisure to ask her what she wanted to buy her feathers and her frills were no sooner discovered to be approaching the counter than as many right arms as were in presence thrust forward a seat towards her while the well-pleased master himself invariably started forth to receive her commands any bride might have found matter for rejoicing in such a change but few could have felt it so keenly as mrs barnaby she was by nature both proud and ambitious and her personal vanity though sufficiently strong within her to form rather a conspicuous feature in her character was in truth only a sort of petted imp that acted as an agent to assist in forwarding the hopes and wishes which her pride and ambition formed this pride and ambition however were very essentially different from the qualities known by these names among minds of a loftier nature the ambition for instance instead of being that last infirmity of noble mind for which milton seems to plead so feelingly was in truth the first vice of a very mean one mrs barnaby burned with ambition to find herself in a situation that might authorize her giving herself the airs of a great lady and her pride would have found all the gratification it sought could she have been sure that her house and her dress would be daily cited among her acquaintance as more costly than their own mrs barnaby had moreover an esprit intrigant in the most comprehensive sense of the phrase for she would far rather have obtained any object she aimed at by means of her own manoeuvring than by any simple concurrence of circumstances whatever and this was perhaps the reason why at the first moment the proposals of mr barnaby whom she had comparatively speaking used no tricks to captivate produced a less pleasurable effect upon her mind than a similar overture from any one of the innumerable military men whom she had so strenuously laboured to win would have done however she was for this very reason happier than many other brides for in fact she became daily more sensible of the substantial advantages she had obtained and on the whole daily better pleased with her complacent husband as her temper though quietly and steadily selfish was neither sour nor violent this state of connubial happiness might have continued long had not some untoward accidents occurred to disturb it the first of these was the sudden and dangerous illness of mrs compton which was of a nature to render it perfectly impossible for mr and mrs barnaby to continue their delightful little parties at home and abroad the dying lady ceased not to implore her daughter not to leave her in accents so piteous that mr barnaby himself notwithstanding his tender care for his lady's health was the first to declare that she must remain with her this heavy burden however did not inconvenience her long for the seizure terminated in the death of the old lady about a week after its commencement but even this though acknowledged to be certainly a blessing and a happy release could not restore the bride to the triumphant state of existence the illness of her mother had interrupted 
for in the first place her deep mourning was by no means becoming to her and she was perfectly aware of it and her white satin and her silver fringe would be sure to turn yellow before she could wear them again besides what was worse than all a young attorney of silverton married the daughter of a neighbouring clergyman who of course was immediately installed in all the bride's honours to the inexpressible mortification of mrs barnaby the annoyance which followed these vexations was however far more serious the resources of poor mr compton were completely exhausted he had drawn out his last hundred from the funds and actually remained possessed of no property whatever except the nearly expired lease and the worn-out furniture of the house in which he lived mrs barnaby listened to the feeble old man's statement of his desperate position with dismay she knew just enough of his affairs to be aware that it was very likely to be true though with mistaken tenderness her mother had always refrained from representing their embarrassments to her daughter as being of the hopeless extent which they really were what then was to be done the choice lay between two measures only both deeply wounding to her pride in the one case she must leave the old man to be arrested in his bed for the price of the food which for a few months longer perhaps he might still get on credit in the other she must undergo the humiliation of informing her husband that all the gay external appearances she and her mother had so laboriously presented to the public eye were in reality but so much cheatery and delusion and that if he would not take compassion on her father's destitute condition the poor old man must either die in the county prison or the parish workhouse the alternative offered more of doubt than of choice and it might have been long ere she decided had she not cleverly recollected that if she decided upon leaving him to get on as he could for a few weeks longer she must at last submit to her husband's knowing the real state of the case she therefore resolutely determined that he should know it at once the time she chose to make the disclosure was the hour when men are generally supposed to be in the most amiable frame of mind possible namely when hunger but not appetite has been satisfied and digestion not fully begun that is to say mr barnaby was enjoying his walnuts and his wine my dear barnaby she began i have some very disagreeable intelligence to communicate to you which has reached me only to-day and which has distressed me more than i can express good heaven what can you mean my dear love for god's sake do not weep my beautiful martha but tell me what it is and trust to me for consolation and that indeed i must do dearest barnaby for who else have i now to look to my poor father i had no idea of it till this morning my poor father is dying perhaps my poor love alas martha dearest i have long known that his case was perfectly hopeless and i had hoped that you had been aware of this also but really my love his state of health is such as ought in a great degree to reconcile you to his loss i am sure he must suffer a great deal at times mrs barnaby's first impulse was to reply that what she had to tell was a great deal worse than that but this would have been the truth and a sort of habitual or it might indeed be called natural cautiousness led her always to pause before she uttered anything that she had no motive for saying excepting merely that it was true and she generally found upon reconsideration that there was hardly anything which might not according to her tactics be improved by a little dressing up so in reply to this affectionate remonstrance from her husband mrs barnaby answered with a sob no my dear barnaby 
i have no reason to doubt but that providence will spare my sole remaining parent for some short time longer if only to prove to him that his happy daughter has the will as well as the means to supply to him the exemplary wife he has lost but alas dear barnaby who in this world can we expect to find perfect my poor dear mother in her great anxiety to spare his age and weakness the suffering such intelligence must occasion most unwisely concealed from him and from me the failure of the merchant in whose hands he had deposited the sum for which he sold his patrimonial estate his object in selling it was to increase his income principally indeed for my poor mother's sake and now the entire sum is lost to us for ever god bless me this is a sad stroke indeed my dear what is the name of the merchant i hope at least that we may get some dividend out of him i really do not know his name but i know that it is a new york merchant and so i fear there is little or no chance of our ever recovering a penny why really in that case i will not flatter you with much hope on the subject and what has the poor gentleman got to live upon my dear martha nothing barnaby absolutely nothing and unless your tender affection should induce you to permit his spending the little remnant of his days under our roof i fear a prison will soon enclose him a violent burst of weeping appeared to follow this avowal and mr barnaby who was really a very kind-hearted man hastened to console her by declaring that he was heartily glad he had a home to offer him so dry up your tears my dear girl and let me see you look gay and happy again said he and depend upon it we shall be able to make papa very comfortable here the disagreeable business was over and therefore mrs barnaby did look gay and happy again moreover she gave her husband a kiss and said in a very consolatory accent the poor old man need not be in our way much my dear barnaby i have been thinking that the little room behind the laundry may be made very comfortable for him without any expense at all i shall only just have to-no no martha interrupted the worthy galen there is no need of packing the poor gentleman into that dismal little place let him have the room over the dining-room the south is always the best aspect for the old and besides there is a closet that will serve to keep his pipes and tobacco and his vials and his pill-boxes out of sight you are most excessively kind my dear barnaby replied his lady but did not you tell me that you meant to offer the thompsons a bed when the bachelor's ball is given and i am sure you would not like to put them anywhere but in the south room i did say so my dear and i am sure i meant it at the time but a bed for the ball night is of so little consequence to them and a warm comfortable room for your father is so important that do you know it would seem to me quite silly to bring the two into comparison well i am sure i can't thank you enough and i will go the first thing to-morrow to tell my father of your kindness i must pass by his house to-night my dear in my way to the kellys and i will just step in and tell him how we have settled it it was impossible even for mrs barnaby to find at the moment any plausible reason for objecting to this good-natured proposal but in truth it was far from agreeable to her her poor father was quite ignorant of the elegant turn she had given to the disagreeable fact of his having spent his last shilling and she was by no means desirous that her kind-hearted husband should enter upon any discussion of his misfortunes with him but a moment's reflection sufficed to bring her ready wit into play again and then she said in addition to the applause she had already uttered by the by my dear barnaby i am not quite sure that i can let you enjoy this pleasure without my sharing it with you i know it will make my dear father so very happy 
well then martha put on your bonnet and cloak and come along it will be better you should go too or i might linger with him too long to explain matters and i really have no time to lose the kindness thus manifested by the worthy barnaby was not evanescent it led him to see that the money produced by the sale of the little remnant of poor mr compton's property was immediately disposed of in the payment of such trifling debts as despite his long waning credit he had been able to contract and for the two years and eight months that he continued struggling with advancing age and increasing disease his attention to him was unremitting during the whole of that time miss betsy compton never saw him all hope and indeed all urgent want of assistance from her well-guarded purse having ended mrs barnaby's anger and hatred towards the spinster flourished unchecked by any motives of interest and miss betsy was not a person to present herself uninvited at the house of a rich apothecary who had the privilege of calling her aunt she had indeed from time to time taken care to inform herself of the condition of her brother and finding that he wanted for nothing but was on the contrary very carefully nursed and attended she settled the matter very easily with her conscience and with the exception of the pension and other little expenses of agnes her income yearly increasing continued to roll up for no other purpose as it should seem than merely to afford her the satisfaction of knowing that she was about ten times as rich as anybody excepting perhaps farmer wright believed her to be when however the last hours of the old man were approaching he told mr barnaby that he should like to see both his sister and his grandchild and ten minutes had not passed after he said so before an express was galloping towards compton bassett with a civil gentlemanlike letter from the apothecary to miss betsy informing her of the condition of her brother and expressing the hospitable wish that she and the little agnes would be pleased to make this house their home as long as the poor gentleman remained alive miss betsy had some strong prejudices but she had strong discernment too and few old maids whose personal knowledge of the world has been as contracted as hers would have so instantly comprehended the good sense and the good feeling of the author of this short note as she did her answer was brief but not so brief as to prevent the friendly feeling with which she wrote it from being perceptible and ere they met this stranger aunt and nephew were exceedingly well disposed to be civil to each other miss betsy's arrangements were soon made she wrote to the person to whose care she had entrusted agnes desiring her immediately to send her under proper protection to silverton and having done this she set off in farmer wright's chaise cart to pay her first visit to her married niece and her last to her dying brother End of chapters five and six